Greetings, outcasts, freethinkers, narrative questioners, dot connectors, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever realm we exist in at the moment. You are about to embark on another free first-hour episode of The Notes. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For as little as three lousy Babylon hokey pokey tokens per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast or click the link in the episode notes to set the process in motion. It's simple, painless, and very well might make you feel tingly inside. So without further ado, please enjoy the show! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. We are led to believe that the CIA's MKUltra program closed up shop sometime in the 70s. But it never went anywhere and instead both became mainstream and went further underground. It went mainstream in the sense that MKUltra tactics are now being widely administered to the masses via sophisticated divide and control tactics that have citizens voluntarily opting to be snitches, embodying the police state, pledging their compliance to the oligarchy, and acting as viral fear agents and disseminators of propaganda. It has gone underground by morphing into much darker programs that involve electronic leashing, biosurveillance, cloning centers, and non-consensual violent and sexual situations. One of today's guests, Ron Allen, hails from a military family whom he suspects inadvertently set him on the path of ongoing experimentation that involves nightly astral abductions that have his handlers capturing his astral body and then transplanting it to a clone that is then forced to engage in violent and sexual acts for the entertainment of high-paying customers who watch from around the world. He just released his first book, 21st Century MK Ultra Slave, A Vintage Transhuman Tale, and he and his editor and friend, Ilana Freeland, join us today to talk about it. I start off the conversation by asking Ron how the two of them crossed paths. How did okay. that happen, Ron? I never remember. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. 
Um, so let's see. Uh, when I was in Costa Rica, I met somebody down there, and I spent some time talking with him and told him somewhat uh, the story that is in my book. And when I got back to the United States, this gentleman emailed me and said that he knew somebody that might be able to help me. And it turned out to be um, Denny Hunt. And Denny Hunt has a, a video uh, um, YouTube thing that he does mm -hmm. called why is this true? Mm. And uh, he did a uh, a video on me back, I don't know, I guess it's been about five years now. And uh, soon after that, he told me that he was doing one with Alana. And, uh, and then I contacted her and that's how we met. Gotcha. Fantastic. Okay, I'm and back. Uh, our Yay. fans just wanted to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> that, they're, they're, that they're watching and listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's, Ron, let's start, let's get to, to the beginning of your story. What were some things, I mean, first of all, were you aware, even before you suspected that you were somehow, had gotten roped into the MK Ultra program, were you aware of Anything like that? Any kind of program like that? No, uh, not really. It wasn't until my brother died in 1974 mm -hmm. that things started to happen that were not normal. Sure. Uh, you know, to what I knew as being normal at that point. And after that, it just, the floodgates opened up. How did that how did that unfold? Well, um, he died of suicide, and that is a odd um, area for people to be in because it you don't really leave this earth, this plane proper. You don't ascend or go to another place. You kind of hang out for a while. Um, if not quite a while, but, uh, I started having night, uh, tremors night, um, uh, when I would lay down, I would not be able to move and I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't say anything, but I was awake Yeah, yeah. and, um, paralysis, they call it night paralysis or. Mm -hmm. Sleep like paralysis, yeah. Sleep paralysis, right. And um, and then um, I saw a reptilian in a mirror. And, um, you know, this is the middle 70s, okay? There was a lot of, I was living in San Francisco and uh, there was a lot of drug taking back in those days and it was involved in that, but I'd been down that road many times with psychedelics and I never had an experience like that before yeah. uh, where it wasn't, uh, I looked at 
to where I would have been in the mirror and I wasn't there. There was a reptilian standing there. And I don't know about you, but it wasn't until the 2000s that I started seeing uh, depictions of reptilians. Yeah, exactly. Way back in 1974, I never, never heard, saw, knew nothing about that. Exactly. I think maybe Land of the Lost was my first view of a reptilian, the television show, the kids' TV show with the slee stacks. Yeah, the slee stacks, yeah. They were kind of humanoid, reptilian-looking things. I would imagine. Is that right? Yeah. I would imagine. What year was that? That was 70s, yeah, like probably, probably mid-70s. Oh, was it really? Yeah. yeah oh, wow. 70, probably 75, 76. Yeah, I'll track much. it down and, and send you guys a clip. It's It was a kid's show like these. I can even think of the theme song in my mind. It's going through my mind. But these kids were on a expedition, a rafting expedition. They took a wrong turn, went down this waterfall, and they were sent back in time. And... Uh, there was a bunch of obviously dinosaurs and, you know, Chaka was a, what would you call? Anyway, this is, this is not, it has nothing to do with what we're here for. <laughs> I don't mean to get okay, sidetracked yeah. by 70s pop culture <laughs> references. Yeah, sorry about that. But I, but it sounds like kids programming. Exactly. For sure. It was. Like programming. For sure. <laughs> so, and it terrified but, me when I was little. Yes. These reptilian yeah. creatures. Yeah. yeah, it was nuts. Um so, yeah, that that must have been pretty terrifying. Uh, was this thing, I mean, was it kind of mocking your movements? Was it you? Or Not was... at all. Okay. Me. Um, you know, and I wasn't afraid. Uh, I was, um, I rocked back on my heels because I had no idea what I was looking at. Sure. It was my size, uh, you know, but it had a, a big, long snout. And uh, at first, when I rocked back on my heels, it just stood there staring. And then it realized that I could see it. It flinched and then turned into me. Wow. And then... And I just, I just, you know, I went in... Uh, gathered my composure, went into the other room where my friend was, and I told her about it, and she said, oh, no, that's evil. And I just forgot about it uh, for the next 40 years until I was down in Costa Rica, and I saw a um, an image that somebody had drawn of that on the Internet or someplace. Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea that, uh, you know, that that existed or it was in folklore or whatever. I yeah. just had no idea. Wow. And Ron, um, tell them, tell them about how in Costa Rica or was it in Costa Rica where it's kind of accepted by people that there are these, uh, entities. Yeah. Um, it, at one point, uh, and it was Costa Rica at one point, um, I heard somebody say, uh, he uses his Draco to do bad things. It's a, uh, it's common knowledge, um, in a, a group of guys standing around talking, it's not, and, um, it's not forbidden 
talking it it's not proper you don't you know bring it up at a cocktail party or anything like that but um you know and then use terms like yeti and um well anyway they uh they do talk about it and then know about it interesting and you know up here that that is not the case at all it certainly wasn't in my uh upbringing yeah exactly well we live in such a <clears throat> materialist reductionist society that something like that is yeah. relegated for bad tv or something you know we don't we don't give things like that credence here because we're too you know, it's not something you can reproduce in a laboratory or it doesn't make you a more productive citizen to think about things like that. Yeah, and there's more programming here. Yes, exactly. We're much more media, uh, steeped in media. Media images. Yeah, yes. and children would uh, would chase you, wouldn't they, Ron? And Taunt. Taunt you about being yeah. a, a Draco. In Costa yeah. Rica? Very strange. Uh, Anunnaki. I mean, uh, or an Anunnaki. Anunnaki is what he said. Yeah. Yeah, Anunnaki. Wow. I mean, these are like conspiracy theories here, yeah, but exactly. down there, it's a, it's sort of a some sort of genre. So they could actually, uh, obviously, they must have been able to perceive you on that level uh, if they were, you know, taunting you and saying all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that has something to do with the psychic aspect, uh, which I do believe is a, uh, CIA tool, um, that, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a, uh, something that gets attached, uh, to you or, uh, the, follow you and you're they're always there you know uh but uh other people hearing my thoughts and my hearing their thoughts and higher selves and all this other stuff that uh is not usually part of the human equation yeah but exactly. it has been for me and i attribute that to cia and mk ultra involvement and how do you think that you became involved in this? You you mentioned that your father was uh, had something to do with the military, right? Navy. Yeah. Yeah. Navy. Yes, Navy. And uh and high up in uh you know, he was an innovator of onboard radar for airplanes. <sighs> radar started in uh just before the war in England. And it was not on board. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, uh, my father during the war was with blimps and that's anti-submarine warfare. Mm -hmm. And he was a very smart individual and became a scientist in this field. And uh, Mr. Lockheed called him Mr. Radar and the Navy just moved him right up and he went through all the uh, blimps and the B modified B-17 uh, modified uh, super constellation, uh, the Connie, 
and you know with the disc up on top and they were using ray domes above below and putting them all over the place trying to figure it out now they've got the um the evolution after the e2a which he wrote the book on but anyway this was um you know 44 is when he went in and um uh up until 70 uh, mid-70s, he was working in that field. And, uh, you know, it's my understanding that people that want to get advanced in the military and the Navy and uh, science fields like this uh, are approached about their children. Now, whether that actually happened or offhandedly, it just uh, got put into play. But at my birth, uh, my mother had decided that she did not want another boy. I was the fourth son and left me at the hospital, wouldn't even look at me for my first 10 days. And that was my entry. Wow. That's wild. I wonder if your father knew my grandfather. Because he was in the Navy at that time. He was an electrical engineer. And I just wonder if they ever crossed paths. It's so fascinating. I'm sorry? What was his name? Philip Warren Powell. Yeah, I don't, I didn't. <laughs> was your family in San Diego at that point, Ron? No, um, I mean, they were there in the uh, 1950, uh, 51, but then uh, went back to the East Coast, and that's where I was born. And, you know, 47, my um, brother Gordon that's talked about in the book was born in Providence, Rhode Island. And, you know, we, my family did a lot of back and forth while in the Navy, my first 10 years were on the East coast. That's where, that's where states back there. That's where he was stationed in Brunswick, Georgia, um, Alabama, uh, Puerto Rico for a time. Uh, that's really, really interesting. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up Ron is that it's, it, it's entirely possible because children have just this innate psychic ability. It's very possible that the children who were taunting you or had some, some, uh, weird energy toward you that psychically they were perceiving something that, you know, maybe the average adult might not see or perceive. Yeah, Ron, was the snake in you at that point? Yeah. Um, well, that was just before the snake. Mm-hmm. Oh, just before when you were down in Costa Rica? Yeah, um, I actually lived on the beach. Uh, I went there as a surfer, mm-hmm. and until my uh, arthritis kicked in, and I was uh, the V2K, which is uh, voice to skull yeah. transmission. Mm-hmm. I was being harassed by, um, you know, whether it's uh, targeted individual people or what, I'm not quite sure. But I was being harassed for being on vacation instead of, I don't know, being uh 
you know, subjugated or uh, fulfilling some, uh, you know, higher expectation or something. But uh, my arthritis set in, uh, and this is about 2010, and uh, the psychic aspect and the TI aspect was uh, just swirling, just uh, was getting uh, out of hand. And I went to um, about 40 miles away, 30 miles. There's a a valley that I ended up in. And uh, it was there that uh, the snake uh, became an issue with me. And uh, uh, it's in the book. I'm a lot better at writing things (laughs) than uh, off the top of my head. well, but uh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say I would. I definitely want to get into the snake, uh, but I want to try and uh, maybe. I mean, kind of start at the beginning, of the, the origins of all this, and work our way to that point, uh, semi chronologically. But do you think that something occurred in that ten days that you were at the hospital by yourself that that affected you? Oh yeah. Um, in 2005 in uh, Costa Rica, I was uh, taking a room at a, a small hotel at the beach, and I had this uh, dream. It was more of a memory dream. It was quite uh, vivid, and there was a, a doctor at a 1950s panel like a laboratory panel and he turned and he looked at me and he said, Oh no, he's woken up. And, um, I, I sensed, I could tell I was a infant, uh, from how he was looking at me. I was just something that I knew. And after that, uh, because of, uh, my parents dying in, um, suspicious uh, circumstances in 1990 and my uncle telling me right after that about what uh, had transpired at my birth, uh, I started looking for a nurse that might have been taking care of me in those first 10 days because I knew that a baby would, uh, you know, not be able to survive on its own. And, sure. And so I wanted to find somebody because my mother was a uh, a nurse's assistant. They used to call them gray ladies from mm. the Red Cross. But I was not able to find any nurses other than administrative sorts. But I did find a doctor. And when I looked up this one particular doctor, I found him on the Internet. Uh, that was like in... 2011 or 2013, I think. I found the same guy that was in my dream, only older. Um, You know, that's uh, 50 years or whatever. And it was him. It was the guy that was in my dream that said, oh, no, he's woken up. Interesting. And your, your older brother, Gordon, that committed suicide, he... He was a part of this too, right? Yeah. A uh, very troubled individual. 
um, and when I was in still in the hospital, uh, my mother told me that he would come running home from school, you know, where's the baby, where's Ronnie, you know, mm. and, and, um, my first memories are, you know, of, of him and her and, and, uh, uh, through growing up, I was she would my mother would always take me along, and whether it was uh, a uh, a convalescent home that he had to be checked into because of suicidal tendencies or uh, however it was manifesting, or uh, in jail, I would go with her to get him out of jail, and. Um, and he was so troubled that uh, in 74, he had asked me to move up to San Francisco and live with him and his girlfriend. And I did. And he was uh, during dinner, he'd cry through dinner and he was uh, very distraught uh, through the his 20s. He was 26 when he died, but through his 20s after he was um drafted into the army and all that period in between, uh, he was bouncing around from job to job and, and going through real depression. And, uh, it was real difficult to go through with him. Uh, you know, I wanted to be there. I wanted to see that joyful laughing brother that I knew as a child. And, uh, growing into adulthood, seeing somebody that was so depressed, and it was that it was the MK Ultra uh, that he had been indoctrinated to. He came running through the house one day, and uh, I believe I was about thirteen, and so he would have been nineteen, and he was chasing my mother, and they had been arguing down at the other end of the house, and when they came by me, they went into her bedroom she went into the her bathroom locked the door and he stood outside yelling and he said how could you let them do that to me he said i know i'm one and i know ron is too interesting so, i wonder how he knew that i'm i you know i'd love to ask him yeah uh but uh I suspect that uh, he he uh, he was experiencing, um, you know, I mean, in seventy one maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was out at his place. He had uh, moved out to some remote cabin in the middle of nowhere in San Diego, and I was out there and black helicopter came over my brother wasn't there but i was there with a friend the black helicopter coming uh i told my friend let's get under a rock and hide and that's what we did the thing sat right above the rock for like 20 minutes and i know that was part of the mk ultra bia whatever uh and it had come out to his place because he was on the hit list and found me instead and then my next day I ran into the same helicopter only different circumstances so he was being uh you know chased and in 
uh, dealt with, manipulated uh, in much the same way. Lower tech because of the years, but he was. What what type of hospital were you born in? Was it a military hospital or was it like a public hospital? It was military. No, it was military. It was uh, an army hospital. On the East Coast? Yeah, um, the Valley Forge uh, Army Hospital. Wow. It was known for um, phantom itch. Do you know what that is? Phantom itch is when somebody's had their arm blown off Mm -hmm. in a war and their elbow itches. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it was a psychological or psychiatric type of hospital. The doctor that I'm referring to was in psychiatrics. Well, Ron, do you get the impression that this MK Ultra programming um, or experimentation was something that your parents set in motion or something that was set in motion uh, opportunistically um, from you being left at the hospital for 10 days? Well, as I stated before, it's come to my attention that uh, with scientists, and I've heard this from other people, they are either um, their children are tracked or they are uh, told that they will uh, take their children to this appointment at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, Ron, can I respond? Sure, I'm I'm very familiar with this. I've talked to many uh, MK Ultras, and um, it is typical in the Cold War that um, they will approach officers and uh, scientific uh, doctors, researchers, uh, and um, set it up that for the sake of the country, for the sake of the nation that they they must um, basically give one of their children or more to research uh, in order uh, for the U.S. to have a victory in the Cold War. So uh, this is so typical. And um, I don't know of many who turned it down. Now, there are some cases where parents uh, like at Walter Reed in uh, Washington, D.C., I, I know of several people whose parents uh, thought that their child was in a special program for uh, getting smarter and, yeah, and yeah. you know, having more of a, a future who dropped their children off. And then the children went into MKUltra. So, um, so sometimes it was deceit, but a lot of times it was uh, it was agreement because of the need for sacrifice for uh, the Cold War. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've also heard that, Alana, that it was it was almost um, sold as like your duty, your duty to your country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot a lot of people bought it. Uh, I mean, it was a very different mindset then. Uh, it, people don't realize that. It wasn't like now. Uh, I don't know what they do now. The other place that they got children from were um, satanic ritual abuse cults. 
the CIA had a lot of contacts in the crime world, and um, and they were able to take some of those children as well uh, because they were already programmed and they were accustomed to pain uh, and and discipline as they called it. So uh, you know that was that was all to me. This is not Ron. This is me. That was all from uh, this this deep relationship with uh, paperclip Nazis, mm-hmm. yeah. who had already done tons of research in the camps on mind control, yeah. and arrived in the United States with lots and lots of research that had already been done, and then were given the keys to the kingdom to continue the research, and uh, with the CIA being basically what are called the finders. They were the ones who would go and find the children and bring them in uh, for uh, for guinea pig. Well, I would opine they also are using child protective services, um, orphanages. There's they lots are. of lots of places yeah. for kids to slip through the cracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Ron, you said uh, in the book that it was at 18 that you tried to separate yourself from it. How did you go about that? And what drove you to that point? I mean, obviously, it, all of this was very unpleasant. But what what brought you to, to saying, I'm just going to get the hell out of this? Uh, 18. 18 is when the... A helicopter incident happened Mm -hmm. uh, where it sat above me and the next day I had uh, taken some LSD uh, which for my brother that I'm speaking of and myself it was um, pretty common activity I mean it was that epoch in the United States, but, you know, we were heavy dosers Mm -hmm. and I took a a hit of acid. A friend of mine uh, drove a hundred miles to go to a rock concert on when we got there. uh, By the time we had gotten there, we had been uh, a helicopter had been above us and, and I was um, feeling, I was, unable to speak with my friend i was uh you know, it was a very heavy dose that i took and i was feeling like i was being uh controlled manipulated and and had no um uh you know ability to uh no free will mm-hmm. and on the way back uh because i said no no i can't go to the concert no let's go back uh even though we made it all the way there on the way back uh it started becoming so uh heavy of a load for me to carry uh that i uh decided that i would uh not want to live like that and so I jumped out of the car going 65 miles an hour and tried to end it. Um, the, uh, the feeling of being, um, you know, under somebody's control was such that, uh, I just didn't want to, 
I didn't want to live like that. Yeah. So how did psychedelics play a role in this? Did they come before your MK Ultra uh, experience that you were aware of, or did they come after? Like, do you think you were dosed as as an infant? Well, I think, well, that's a good question, isn't it? I haven't a way of answering that question. I have asked myself. Uh, but on the occasion that I just spoke of, uh, yes, I believe it's entirely possible that it came through those channels. Mm-hmm. It was not uncommon in my high school. It was not uncommon in the town that I lived in or the times in in Southern California. Mm. But also... Oh, go ahead, Ron. Yeah. Sorry. No, well, I was just going to say I went to a concert like in '73 or I guess '70, maybe 1970, um, where uh, Timothy Leary flew. This was in the Laguna Hills, in the hills below um, Laguna Beach, uh, and Timothy Leary flew above that with uh, throwing out sheets of blotter acid Mm. at the concert. And he totally had, uh, you know, those connections. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was completely uh, CIA. Um, And what I wanted wanted to add was that um, I just was on a, a, that webinar um, at MKUltra and the the woman um, Anne uh, Diamond, who wrote a little book called My Cold War, she's MK Ultra, and she reminded me that um, you know when she she was one of the people that was abused with LSD and what's called psychic driving mm-hmm. by the uh, psychiatrist Dr. Ewan Cameron at uh, uh, in Montreal at McGill University Hospital. And um, they were, the CIA was using, they thought the LSD was going to be, you know, the drug by which they could control people. Mm-hmm. Instead, what they found was that LSD just did not lend itself to control. You never knew which direction yeah. it was going to go in. Exactly. But they did LSD on constant uh, experiments for at least 20 to 30 years in that period uh, ron's talking about early 70s and it looked like it was just you know the cia pouring this uh the lsd 25 and whatever out into the streets to control or or do research on the 60s generation but it was also uh mk ultra what that would be the first thing that they would try uh, with people who were in the MK Ultra program was to really find out how far you could go with the LSD. The people who were under psychic driving at McGill were dosed with LSD, heavy doses. We're talking more than 250 milligrams. Uh, and then they they would have a microphone under their pillow uh, spitting out some some sentence that they wanted the person to be completely uh, controlled by. 
that that went on for several years and she she reminded me that there is now a class action lawsuit still underway in uh, in Quebec province uh, regarding this. That's 400 people are suing the CIA uh, and uh, the government of, uh, of Montreal for what happened to them because a lot of these people just never came back. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Ron, did you, did you um, indulge in, in psychedelics for mind expansion or for more escapism just to get out of your momentarily get out of your situation? Uh, mind expansion mostly. Um, but yeah, to get out of, uh, you know, I was always, um, alcohol, uh, played a big part in, uh, my twenties and thirties mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and it wasn't just, uh, drinking socially. It was drinking hard, uh, to the point of browning out, not remembering what happened. Um, and I attribute that to uh, wanting to um, just get out of this life that I was in. I yeah. couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something that wasn't, that uh, didn't set well with me. Everybody else seemed to be uh, you know, having, um, children, love affairs. And, and I was just stumbling in that area. I was able to hold a job, but I wasn't able to relate on a personal level with people. And, uh, other than, you know, good time, you know, um, uh, through that escapism. Um, Yeah. And you say things really went into high gear uh, after your parents died, right? Yeah, well, um, and there's a few of those um, turning points that have happened in my life. That was one of them. Uh, the electronic leash uh, was set. And at that point, I was um, pretty popular in San Diego. I was... Uh, street theater performer and uh you know working with groups putting on events and large events and and uh you know i had a large circle of friends and all this other stuff and uh you know i kind of took the uh, wind out of my sail when my parents passed away uh you know they were i'm older than they were now when they died and uh, you know, they were quite popular in, in amongst all their relations, and and it was a, a large uh, impact in the family. And after everybody left, after everything was shut down, I was sitting around the living room, room with some friends, uh, my brothers, and uh, and I felt. Uh, this electronic, um, what I call uh, leash, being set. And it was, uh, I asked anybody or the other people in the room if anybody felt that, and nobody did. It was just me. Uh, but there was something that um, 
you know, clamped on to me at that point. And I'm sure it was one of the people that was at my parents' uh, funeral. Uh, you know, it's the wake was held at the house and all my father's co-workers, past friends and everybody was there. And so that's when that um, uh, what entered me into the 21st century back in 1990 uh, was that electronic leash. And and to remember that Ron's dad was working for the military defense industry. Yeah, yeah. And that's who Ron worked for was the military defense industry, Lockheed, et cetera. So that connection, you have to think CIA when you see those connections. I, I don't know of any, anything, any, especially the top 10, of which Lockheed is number one mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. as, a, uh, as a defense contractor. Uh, those top 10 are all into mind control and they're all CIA. Uh, that I've learned over years of research. So yeah, Ron had that leash and just to, to amplify on his description, description of the electronic leash, that's what's going on regarding the shedding of people who are inoculated mm. is they are now on a Bluetooth leash. Wow. And so that is, that's what a leash is. It knows where you are. It knows it knows your biometrics. And am I saying that they had that back in 1990? Yeah, I think so. I think they had it, maybe not as sophisticated as now, but they had it. So my question is, if what is the intention here? Are they using people? Are there different layers to the MK Ultra program where they have high functioning people that are high level, maybe Manchurian candidate, uh, people capable of, of uh, committing assassinations, uh, you know, and then there are people that they uh, enslave and then just observe. Well, I want to respond to that for one thing to just correct your picture a little bit. Yeah, okay, MK Ultra, um, Manchurian candidates. What about governors? What exactly. about senators? Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's rife now. In fact, if if I ever hear of a, you know, like I've watched DeSantis closely, the Florida governor, and saying to myself, oh, gee, is he MK Ultra? I mean, I can say that other states are. Sure. Yeah, I've watched these guys. And, you know, there's a certain thing about the eyes and things, you know, there's just, just, it is what it is. But uh, yes, there are echelons. And with Ron, uh, that's something he and I talked about when we were working on the book is, um, and I kept saying it to him, you know, this working for Lockheed and I, yeah, I hear what you were doing for, for them. Uh, but I, I just have this feeling there was something else going on. But Ron, last I checked with you, Ron, he doesn't really remember mm -hmm. uh, other than what we wrote in the book that he right. worked in this department and he had these these functions that he did and da 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 da. But there were there were clues all the way through that, such as you know the the uh, and uh, what's the word I want the uh, backlash of his fellow employees mm -hmm. toward him. 
um, just just certain things. And he'd he'd have to go on a trip, and and then he'd come back. There's just a lot of detail missing there. Right. And knowing that his dad worked for defense contractor, and knowing that Ron worked. I mean, Lockheed Martin is like Satan or something. I mean, it's the worst uh, in mind control and every every other thing. So um, I'm still not satisfied that we we plumb the depths of that. But you know, Ron has remembered a lot uh, over the years just by paying attention, and I think all MK Ultras have to go through that. What was your role, Ron, with Lockheed? Well, I worked uh, at a uh, rocket engine manufacturer, and uh, most of the satellites were were being put up uh, from the 70s to the 90s were using the engines of the uh, company that I worked for, and Lockheed was our biggest customer. I did all the... Mars missions, the deep space, the uh, exploratory uh, missions, as well as the bread and butter um, communications, as well as um, uh, some of the uh, military that would arrive in the middle of the night in an unmarked van and pick up uh, whatever and take it away. Uh, and Lockheed Martin, um, I was working with this company when Columbine happened. Mm. And if you remember, uh, that was a pretty traumatic. Uh, we had had shooters at schools before that, but Columbine kind of put that whole uh, activity on the map. And that was done in uh, a town where all the people that I worked for at Lockheed lived in that town. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the people that I worked with committed suicide because wow. their children were in that uh, death, in the killing, in the uh, so on. And it was, it had a huge impact. And that's mind control. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, um, you know, the the weapons they use, so on and so forth. It just, uh, you know, this whole thing, when you walk down the street today and you see half the people are wearing masks and uh, everybody is uh, programmed uh, from uh, Fauci or the news or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Uh, to be in a state of fear. And that's uh, an outbranch of MK Ultra. Uh, you know, they started with a bunch of uh, mice and then they move up to, you know, a bunch of. Uh, uh, people that don't have close associations and then they go into hospitals and prisons and try it out there. And then pretty soon they're trying it out on towns. And mm-hmm. now it's the whole world that they're. Oh, I think we lost him. 
So, yeah, well, it, maybe he'll be back. Um, um, I wanted to say, did you notice when he's describing the job, how much like the secret space program that sounds? Absolutely. It was all, and that that had started up, that, that started up with Werner von Braun, the secret space program. Mm -hmm. So it was well underway. But but Ron has no memories of that, mm -hmm. of what he really did. But I can feel it. I can feel there was something else. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's no use prodding, and, and you know, it's it either comes or it doesn't. Sure, it's interesting. Ron, he had so many drugs, so many drugs that memory gets to be a real challenge. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. It's interesting too the Columbine connection because those kids yeah. parents had some pretty shady connections were, and the sons were. were both deeply obsessed with violent video games and i think that that has been a introduction into the mk ultra mind control and they were on prozac yes yeah so uh and their father one of their those boys his father worked for the uh the, the military contractors so you know i always look the devil's in the details yeah and you'll always find that you'll always find details uh but nobody knows how to read them because nobody can really think anymore because the mind control is so deep so he's not back yet Nope, I'm waiting for an email. Maybe I will email him and see what's happening on his end. Maybe I should plug my phone in. Well, I think part of it, Alana, is there's so many dots to connect. That when mm -hmm. you live in a slave society and you're working 10 to 12 hours a day and making meals and and mm -hmm. traveling to go to work an hour each way. There's no time for revelry. There's no time for critical thinking. And that's really the intention of the slave society right. is to keep people busy with this very, with you know, debt, low, debt yeah. and just low frequency thinking so that they don't have a chance to really drill into this stuff. And that's why you have people like me who spend years on this stuff and then can publish it, but mm -hmm. it, the publishing will only be uh, peripheral. Yeah. yeah. It will never be allowed that it would be central. Yes. Uh, no, I, I get how it works, but it, it, to me, it doesn't matter. It, to me, it's like, just nail that truth, you know? Exactly. I know that if you nail the truth, it will will out at some point. That's just the way it is. Uh, so, you know, but for Ron, it's uh, it's been a, a real struggle because he's still accessed. He, he's not sitting, you know, having the leisure time like I do to really dig deep into things. He's being accessed every night, yeah. every night. Well, the interesting, that. the interesting thing is the fragmentation of the brain. And I think that that's where the drinking comes in and the drug use comes in. It's to your brain is trying to reconcile this bifurcation and it's trying to survive. And sometimes the way to do that is to disassociate with drugs and alcohol because. Yeah, but I wouldn't look at it that way. You're you're acting like he has a choice. Mm -hmm. Right. And MK Ultra has no choice. 
they programmed him to drink and drug. Absolutely. Oh no question God. in my mind. If they didn't want him drinking and drugging, you think he'd be doing it? No way. No way. They'd make his life hell if he did it. Interesting. So no, it's, it's all part of the programming, but when you wake up to the programming, then you have the, the job of all that weakening of your will. Mm. How do you get it back? You know, it's really hard, really hard. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, I admire the fact that he hasn't given up because it sounds like utter hell and utter it hell. It is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and it, I mean, when I first read his manuscript, that's what I thought was, my God, this is the first male MK Ultra who has ever, whom I've ever heard of, who's written something. I was just thrilled. And I knew immediately it had to be published. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad that it was. It's such a it's such yeah. a pertinent story, and what you were saying earlier about there being different levels of MK Ultra, I definitely Ron seems to definitely fall in the active experiment level. Like, yeah. it seems like they're just poking and prodding and seeing what happens, watching the results. Well, yeah, and and I think that Gordon, his brother, was the real one they wanted, mm -hmm. and then when Gordon checked out. Uh, then they sort of took Ron uh, and let him go. They put a leash on him, but then, as you'll find out, mm -hmm. he then was able to go to, uh, you know, down to South, South and Central America and sort of lose himself for a mm -hmm. while. Yeah. And meanwhile, they just kept track of him. Now, it seems like, um, yeah, th that's just my theory. I mean, you know, I've been through about a dozen of these these folks in figuring out they've got memories, but they haven't figured it out. And once you see that the CIA always follows certain patterns, then, you know, you're not lost with a lot of detail because they will follow a pattern uh, for different people. And that's kind of what and I knowing what they do with Ron now. Um, that's something that they prepped him for, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I assume he's expendable, but um, they keep him around because he's, he's making a lot of money for somebody. Yeah, exactly. So Alana, how does it work? I, I want to kind of take out the Hollywood view of this and see this just like the machinations of the daily experience. Do you see this as there's a scientist in a room that is actually, you know, pulling the, the levers or is this something that's more an algorithm that's more computer based? Like how, how do you uh, perceive that they are actually controlling him? Generally speaking, they want to move everything to an algorithm, generally speaking. They want an AI on all of it. They no doubt will interfere now and then uh, when they have a new idea or things are not going in the direction they wanted and maybe the algorithm is insufficient, so now it needs to be changed or whatever. But uh, generally speaking, I see Ron as primarily on an algorithm. And um, he, he definitely has a handler. And he definitely has 
relationship with uh, FBI, CIA, D, um, uh, NSA, uh, maybe DIA, uh, but definitely the Navy, definitely the Navy. And, and truthfully, I find the Navy the most culpable of all the branches of the military, but they all, they all scratch each other's backs too. Yeah, sure. But the Navy, I don't know if you know this, but they are generally considered the elite branch because mm -hmm. the oldest families, because of when we were on the high seas, mm -hmm. right? It's the oldest branch. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's from very elite families generally, but they tend to be the most ruthless. My father was a scientist in, in Navy intelligence. So I know, I know what it did to him. Uh, and, um, and, and with Ron, uh, I mean, one thing someone said to me was an MK Ultra said, I just don't understand why he doesn't resist. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, well, yeah, but if he resists, what, where is he going? Where's he going to go? Yeah. I mean, what's he going to do? Sure. Because uh, right. they, they know that, you know, it, when he comes to visit me and we're talking about the book, I know that I'm in a three-way conversation. Yeah, exactly. Right. At least three ways. And, you know, yeah. it's just, it just goes with the territory. Uh, and it doesn't scare me because I'm a pretty, I'm doing something uh, that if they didn't want me to do it, then I'm sure they would let me know. Sure. Uh, in one way or another, but um, they know everything. I mean, it's really awful. It irritates me over and over because, uh, well, there's no free will. And wow. that's what they want for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's what we signed off on with the Patriot Act. Exactly. Ron? Yeah, Americans have really slept through too much. And it's too late now for going back. Are you there, Ron? Ron? Hello. Hi. Yeah, there you are. There you are. Welcome back. I made it. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, oh, that's okay. Holy cow. What happened? Oh, I'm I'm on a flip phone and I uh, was a bad boy and did a lot of talking this month and spent all my money. And so I just had to re-up. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Did you miss me? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I filled in. I filled in a few gaps. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, okay, the the electronic leash was set and and things continue to get more intense and more complicated. Um, things having to do with uh, consciousness transfer and, and cloning. And I don't know if all of that stuff starts to come into play before the snake enters you or whether the snake happens first. Um, uh, well, um, so, um, Rudolf Steiner, um, speaks of people who have passed, um, those that have recently died, um, still being able to come into our sphere uh as um 
being accessed through mediums. Mm. And that's what I was talking about. My brother Gordon, when he passed, um, you know, the suicide, the abrupt death, uh, he didn't um, immediately go ascend or whatever. He was here, um, you know, unseen, but here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I was experiencing at the time of the snake uh, was um, had a component of people who had passed. Mm. And again, it's part of this psychic thing that comes through via the uh, CIA, the phone will stop ringing in a second. Uh, and, um, and it's, uh, connected to, uh, what I experienced, um, and do, uh, still do. I know that component is there. Um, the, uh, the snake, uh, the reptilian, um, uh, aspect and um, this uh, psychic uh, are all interwoven in uh, uh, you know my experience uh, I haven't seen any of the reptilian aspect I feel the snake occasionally and you know I I hear this um, uh, chatter among uh, people who have passed. I saw uh, not more than, um, well, it was less than five years ago, I saw a cat jump off of a, a chair um, in the corner of my eye, but I knew the cat. I knew the color. I knew the, uh, you know, that I was sitting where it used to sit. Mm. And it had passed years before. Uh, so I, I have that, uh, you know, that, um, uh, and I believe that, uh, you know, these people that are playing God, this, uh, uh, CIA cult has the, um, uh, uh, technological ability to, uh, connect same as back a hundred years ago. Uh, Rudolf Steiner talking about people would get murdered so that they could access the afterlife through those people and uh, vice versa, that they could be uh, uh, come in and, and create mayhem here. And it's through us that mm. they do that. This is uh, an interplay that is happening uh and that's part of my experience god bless you ron seriously i am so grateful for your time and your energy and your efforts and i i have no uh belief that i'm ever going to be able to wake anybody up other than myself and what these conversations do is like taking a, a ice bath. It really does wake me up. And I just thank you so much for that. 
I, I thank you for your time, Alana. It has been wonderful. Yes. It's, and, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to that. Uh, okay. <laughs> and we are definitely in your corner, Ron, for sure. Um, if you ever find yourself driving through Kansas, you always have a place to stay here. So I'll, I'll save our Terrific. Lead, thank our, you. I'll save our lead room for you. Exactly. You can yeah. stay in our Faraday cage. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I would like to uh, remind everybody about uh, Ron's book, 21st Century MK Ultra Slave. It's incredible. A fantastic read. And, and I want to remind people that last I checked, um, the CIA does not pay all of its guinea pigs anything for anything ever ever and uh you you know please support ron yes absolutely uh, this this money counts a lot for him where would be the best place to get that book where would you well, have us go on amazon yeah amazon okay so pay the devil and you get some of that too hopefully <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah you need to sell it directly off your off your website i'm sure you don't have a website ron but uh Ilana, you could sell it off of one day. One day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. Well, uh, I will have all of the pertinent links in the episode notes where you guys can go and you can find the book and get to find Ilana's work. And um, yeah, I mean, you you do have no web presence to speak of, do you, except for this book, Ron? Correct. Okay, good. Stay off of it. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's called you're a not, web for a reason you're not missing anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we will use it to no, promote I'm, promote your story i have been on the i have been on the computer since 1980 yes i had my first email address in 1991 uh-huh, wow. and wow. i'm still going strong with it yeah so, awesome uh, i've created a lot of websites and mine will be coming Cool. Fantastic. Well, let us know and we'll certainly promote it for sure. Ron, thank you so much for your bravery and uh, coming out with this. Uh, I'm sure it can inevitably help a lot of people who are maybe thinking that they're crazy or that they're alone and experiencing things like this. And your story, I'm sure, will help um, bring those people uh, to some sort of peace, knowing that there's somebody else out there going through this. So, it's so important that you're that you've done this and congrats to you. Exactly. And Ilana, you're a force you. of nature. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> we we yeah. absolutely love you. Uh, thank you. And I, I wanna invite all the male MK Ultras out there to please write your story. Please. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We need to know what happened to you and um uh, it's uh, it's amazing to me that there aren't more, really. Yeah, I know that they're out there. Yeah, they're out there being quiet. Yes. All right. Well, wonderful meeting you, Ron. Perhaps we can chat again sometime yeah, down the road. Terrific meeting you guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah, thank we, you for your good. work. Yeah. Absolutely. We we wouldn't Very be here for work to get all these stories out. We uh, we're here, here as uh, as a conduit to get your your exactly. fantastic words out. And we want to have you back on, Alana. We we really 
we just admire you bo- both so much, but really we want to have you back on because there's so much more to talk about. Yeah, we want to we want to dip di- deeply into the geoengineering yes, conversation that we didn't that yeah. we kind of took a left on <laughs> the last time you were it was on. A great, it was a great left. Oh, did we? Turn. Did yeah. we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for the All work right. you do, guys. Blessings, and everybody. Likewise. Yes. Sleep we'll, well. We'll talk to you down the road. Yes. You sleep well, Ron. Get some sleep. Okay. All right. Thank yeah. you. Goodbye, guys. Share some sleep. Okay. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye, Ron. Uh, hi. <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, what do you say? I mean, that's such an intense story, such an intense thing that he's still experiencing. It's not something like 20 years later, I write my, yeah. you know, it's like he's still going through that. Yeah. And it just, I think where I get all freaked out is that I have really intense, vivid waking dreams with all kinds of shit happening in them. And, you know, talking to someone like Ron, I'm thinking, am I really dreaming or is this something that's happening on some other dimensional level and my astral body is being used to do all this crazy shit? So that's where I get very freaked out. Is there something about your dreams that you're not telling me? (laughs) Let's just leave it there. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, Ron is uh, I'm glad that Alana encouraged him to write this book because it's a story that definitely needs to be told. And I've never heard one quite like that. Um, Yeah. I mean, Kathy, Kathy O'Brien's story is so deep and entrenched and, and so much controversy and, (laughs) you know, public figures and you know, there's so much going on there that that's a mind fuck. Mm -hmm. This takes that mind fuck and turns it on its ear. There was a Westworld kind of element, too, of these clones and people observing these elites. And I hate to use that term. These predators observing this action and watching these things go on. Yeah, that's the thing, too, with a lot of MKUltra stuff. It's usually... um it's not it doesn't seem like it's he's sharing his space he like he has no privacy he has no after he goes to sleep free mm-hmm. will so that's an aspect that i've never quite heard in mk ultra before usually it's a very solo adventure but he yeah there's a lot of moving parts involved and and obviously from what he says people can tune in to his suffering and and watch this freak show that has him as the main star and he has no choice in the matter. Well, he's the main star in his story. Who knows how many versions of this are happening with how many other people, thousands, hundreds, millions, who knows? You know, I, one thing that kind of popped into my head when he was talking was I was thinking of Marilyn Monroe and when, uh, she, I guess there was some reel-to-reel uh, videos or some some films of her having sex with various people in Hollywood. And I was thinking, wow, you know, 
60, 70 years ago, that's the way a lot of this shit was happening is that they were still using mind control and they were still using this type of behavior, but the technology wasn't necessarily yeah, there. It was exactly. actually like a physical a film that was being taken and then shared among people. Now, because we have this grid that people are are tuning into now you can do that around the world and you never have to have any hand-to-hand handing something over to someone a videotape or something like that exactly that's the thing with ron's story too that's unique is that he was born and i believe in 1954 so the technology has is has gone through so many changes like it's yeah and he, as we said in the in the chat, that um, he seems to be the subject of an ongoing experiment. So yeah. who knows like how many new technologies have rolled out since he's... Exactly. Yeah. So he's like the MK Ultra elder statesman. Yeah. And maybe he's one of these devices that have been used for 60 years, yeah. for all he knows, for all we know. I totally admire his optimism, though. My, I just don't know how I would cope with that. You know, that's just so intense every night. Oh my god! Pretty it's much all so night. So freaky when you started to ask him about voices, and then we heard a voice in the background. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, that freaked me out. <laughs> like, are you well, safe, Ron? <laughs> and when his phone went out during part of the conversation, yeah. I was just like, oh, Ron. Uh, yeah, I, I emailed know. him. Ron, are you okay? Oh God. And so, he was okay. in the second hour, we talked about the electronic leash. We talked about consciousness transfer and cloning. The many of the acts that he remembers committing when he was uh, under the effect of being disembodied in his clone. Yep, the snake and the reptilian aspect, and how they are. Connected with sexual experiences. Where the astral and physical overlap. Yep, his brother Gordon and his brother Gordon's suicide. And then he talked about Rudolf Steiner and potentially the CIA uh, being able to connect his brother with him in the afterlife. That was a trippy... I've, we could do a whole show about that. Don't even get me started, girlfriend. Listen. <laughs> the voyeuristic aspect of, yeah. of this whole experiment. The uh, sentient world simulation. The viewing rooms and what takes place in the viewing rooms. Yeah, the uh, Donald Marshall Astral Body book. He talked about that. And the jab connection. Yeah, there's some trippy shit going on in the world, guys. <laughs> and it was amazing to have Alana back, too. She oh, wrote gosh. the forward to the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and we will have Alana on again. For, and yeah. I hope we have Ron on again, too. Yeah, yeah. We, we we love Alana. She's incredible. What a, yeah. what a wonderful, amazing human being she is. And so great that she is such a bolster and a support for Ron because he really needs that I can tell in his life he needs like a North Star and I think that she's she's really um, affording him that absolutely 
Well, there's no place that we can direct you to Ron's work except to go buy the book, which is really fantastic. Um, it's it's hard to believe what you're reading, but it's his experience, it's his yeah. life. So I highly recommend it. And I don't I don't encourage anyone ever 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 to buy anything from Amazon because I do think that Jeff Bezos is a agent for the devil. Uh, but <laughs> in this case, I would say supporting Ron Allen is a, an extremely important thing to do. And it's not like buying, you know, six cases of Tide soap, <laughs> you know, go and, and buy a book that can give you an opportunity to drill into someone's story that's very compelling and certainly not something that you're going to see on the nightly news. By no means. I know they will call people like Ron crazy on the nightly news if they even bring anything like that up. Well, and what Ron has been through is crazy making. So I would not, I would not uh, fault him at all if he was mad because he has every right to be mad because Absolutely. he's been through some mad shit. It's not just like the experiences in and of themselves are are absolutely maddening and such a total and complete mindfuck. But the fact that it robs him of any good REM sleep that he gets, I can't imagine what the level of exhaustion that he must exist under most of his life. Well, who knows? We don't, we have no idea what, how that is, how that is being managed in his, in the sequence of his experience with this algorithm. We have no idea what they're doing to him. And, and it's possible that, that that's part of the experiment is to see how long, how many years someone can go with uninterrupted uh, or interrupted sleep Mm -hmm. and uninterrupted uh, chaos. Basically I, I was also very fascinated by the whole psychedelic aspect and element of that and I think that's why that was one of the things that I touched on in that first hour Mm -hmm. is do you think that you were dosed as an infant because it seems very likely and possible that those things are introduced from the time someone um, doesn't have kind of their consciousness completely formulated into like a set reality. And there's much more of the drug use in the book than we talked about. Um, But I was also going to ask about generational, like did he feel that either of his parents were subject to any sort of MK Ultra stuff? And if anyone were a candidate, I would say that it was his mother um, because she, I guess, was prone to fits of rage and, and yeah. pounded his brother at one point, not yeah. Gordon, but I think another one of his brothers. Yeah. But it's possible the father too, because they go on these quote unquote secret missions or quote unquote business trips. So it's very possible that both are being used in different um, aspects in different ways. True. But from what I ascertained from his father, from the book, it seemed like he was at least, you know, 
able to compose himself a lot more gracefully than his mother was at times. Right. So, so and maybe that's how they did it. Is that the dad went off and they did whatever the fuck they did to the dad. And then he was able to take the programming. Could be. Could be. Trippy shit, guys. Well, it's a conversation (laughs) we will keep having. Um, We've got more of that coming up uh, in the next couple of months. And um, yeah, along with other fantastic things. Yeah. Thank you all so, so, so very much for listening um, it's greatly appreciated. If you have any um, thoughts, ideas, guest recommendations, casserole recipes, praises, or condemnations, you can email us at either the melt podcast at protonmail.com. Or you can reach me at hunter muse at protonmail.com. And I really appreciate everyone who's here with us. Yes. Uh, even if you aren't into it and you're rolling your eyes right now, that's okay. We that's part of the chorus of life is that we all have a opinion and I I believe all are welcome. Hell if you made it this far, that means you listened to the whole thing. So kudos to you for getting through that. Um and yeah. I'm sure Ron appreciates you taking the time to listen to his story and um how much he suffers. So if anything, just send Ron some good thoughts. Let's exactly. build a let's build a force field of, of positivity around him and yeah. deflect all of that evil shit that's trying to come his way. Um yeah, let's we can do it. Mind the mind is a powerful thing. Let's project out to Ron and give him our love and uh, his uh, the support that he needs and yeah, it can't hurt, right? And let's hope that Ron doesn't choke anyone else out. (laughs) That was super fucking dark. (laughs) I'm just trying to make you laugh. (laughs) If you could only see Chris's expression right now. I'm speechless. I'm not sure how good of taste that joke was in. Ron, she's joking. (laughs) You Ron knows that I'm joking. Okay, I hope so. Because I, you know, yeah. I I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want anybody to joke about my stuff, my dark stuff that I've gone through in most of my life. And anyway, I'm sorry. Hey, hey I think we, you have to have humor or, or they, they, in quotes, win. True. Very true. Okay. Uh, is that all? Did we cover everything? That's We've it. got fantastic stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, this probably won't come out until the new year. So happy new year. Happy new year. And, and Merry Christmas to everyone around the world indeed. or whatever happy it is. Happy Hanukkah. You, and whatever it is you celebrate. Kwanzaa, whatever it may be. Flying Spaghetti Monsters, Anniversary, Homecoming. Who knows? Exactly. Just throw it all in a bucket. Yes. All right. We love you. We love you. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Meow. To hear the full-length version of this episode, get access to exclusive and early episodes, and participate in our monthly Zoom meetups for as little as $3 per month, just click the Patreon link in the episode notes or visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast. Contributing financially will help to make this podcast my full-time gig that I can devote more time to and allow me to create more content. 
Other ways of contributing would be giving us a favorable review or rating wherever you get your podcasts, subscribing to us on YouTube, spreading the word wherever you and your tribe congregate, or just by sending us your positive thoughts and intentions. In a quantumly intertwined and holographic multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you.